0: Hey there, this is Sarah. And I'm Jen. And we're Unstable Moms. So we decided that since we're fairly new to podcasting, we would start a couple of episodes with a would you rather question so you guys can get to know us a little bit better. And we will start the story from there. So, my first would you rather question, Jennifer Would you rather choose a hairspray and a lighter as your weapon? Or a rolling pin during the event of a zombie apocalypse?
1: (laughs) That's hard. Because you have to take out their brain.
0: I'm going to have to say a rolling pin because it would be me that would have the hairspray and lighter and I am just so (laughs) confident that I'm going to kill these zombies. And I run out of hairspray and I'm just standing there with the lighter.
1: Well, but do you have endless hairspray?
0: It if you just have endless hairspray, then
1: maybe. But then the zombies just run around on fire That's because true. you don't take out their brains. That's so I true. Guess How long does it would take be best
0: for a zombie brain to incinerate?
1: Well, it has to go through the skull.
0: I don't know. I'm still I'm still sticking with the rolling pin. I'm I think the rolling
1: pin is your best bet because you can just like take one end and like jab it into them.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, it's just like
1: the crap a, out of them.
0: A gun or a knife. I mean, I think either way. The knife is the more long-term stable choice. Yes. Whereas the gun is just kind of haphazard at that point. A little uh, inside on me and Jennifer.
1: Just in case there's ever a zombie apocalypse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to happen. There was one that I asked John and I said, I forget what it was, but he was like, what kind of zombies are we talking about? Are we talking about Walking Dead zombies or are we talking World War Z zombies? Because they're two different kinds of zombies, and that's going to significantly impact my answer.
1: (laughs) I mean, he has a good point.
0: It's valid. It's valid. It is. Okay, so this week I am doing the Pharmacy Museum in New Orleans. I have been there back in September, and I thought it was really cool. And again, I've never heard anybody do this one on a podcast, and I listen to lots of them. So I thought... Uh, It was my turn. So this episode is going to be about the first licensed pharmacist in Louisiana and then it starts that way and then we'll go into detail about the history of the pharmacy and why it, it made the list. So we'll start with the history of pharmacists. So in Louisiana prior to 1804 they didn't have to have a license to be a pharmacist. You could go in under another, I guess, quote unquote pharmacist and just be their apprentice for six months. And then you could compound and mix and create your own concoctions and administer them to the public. Zero regulations in place in 1804.
1: <laughs> We're living in the wrong times.
0: I mean, they had some good stuff back then. Yeah. <laughs> So in 1804 the state of Louisiana passed a law that required an exam for anyone who would like to become a pharmacist. Governor Claiborne established a board of reputable physicians and pharmacists to administer a 3-hour oral exam. I don't think there's any way that I could do an oral exam for 3 hours.
1: No. My what ADHD, are you doing.
0: They would get halfway through the question and be like, "Hold on, can you repeat that one?" <laughs>
1: They would think something was totally wrong with you.
0: (laughs) Is it like three hours total if I can't remember the question? Or is it like three hours if I can remember what you're saying to me?
1: It would probably like be five hours.
0: Probably. I'd be there for a long time. Be like, boys, get comfortable. (laughs) I'm going to be here a while. So at this point, this is where we meet Luis Dufilo, I believe. I'm probably butchering that. So Luis was born in Meandre, France in 1788, and then his family moved to the United States somewhere between 1800 and 1803. Luis, Luis's older brother, because that's not confusing, him and his older brother were both named Luis.
1: What? Yeah. Why? Why would you do that to your children?
0: Why not? Let's have some fun. It's 1800. Like how do you call them?
1: How, do you, don't how have- do you address them whenever you're like, <laughs> dry- when you're dry- When you're trying to call them, like, I don't know, for dinner or something, (laughs) or just call them to do something else.
0: (laughs) They managed, I'm sure.
1: They just both come. I don't know. No, not you, Luis. You, Luis.
0: Yes, wrong Luis. So um, Luis, his older brother, uh, opened an apothecary with their father, Jean, in about 1805. So, Louise Jr. decided that he also wanted to be a pharmacist. I guess it's like running in the family. We've got a theme here. Uh, (laughs) And he moved back to Europe to attend the College of Pharmacology in Paris in 1816. He then moved back to New Orleans, and he was the first person to pass the three-hour oral exam to become the first licensed pharmacist in New Orleans.
1: How? How did he pass a three-hour oral exam? I just don't understand what they were doing in this oral exam. They were just talking the entire time.
0: Well, it's not like medicine was a thing. I mean, it was a thing, but it's not like they were regulated how they are today. Right. I don't know. So in 1819, he married his wife, Adele, and they had seven children together. And from what I read, five out of the seven uh, made it to adulthood. And the other two passed away in childhood, but it doesn't have like anything specific to say how or when or any of that stuff. So back then, you know, like way back in the day, pharmacists <laughs> were not like pharmacists today. They didn't just dispense medications. They were more like doctors back then. They could diagnose, treat and prescribe medications to patients. And I even remember when we went on a tour there last year, they had this big glass in the window window. And it's called a show globe and they would put different colored fluid in it to show the public that there was a plague or like a virus outbreak. If so, if the water was red, then there was some sort of illness running through the area. And if it was green, then like we're all cool. So nobody panicked.
1: So you potentially had a disease if you walked in there just based on the color of the water?
0: No, the color of the water told you what was going on in the area. Oh, okay. I see. Like COVID cases when they were like, you're in red, you're in green. So it would just let them know in the area what was going around. And so it's like similar to when you go to a barbershop and you see the pole. Mm-hmm. with the the twisted lines around it, then, you know, it's a barbershop. So a lot of apothecaries would have a show glow because there was also so many illiterate people in the area. So they would be able to get the message across without people having to be able to read. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I learn something new every day. Yeah. I wonder if they should go back to that, especially having Bourbon and Frenchman Street right there. They should. They should do that everywhere. Because I'm positive when I'm drunk, I'm not going to want to read anything.
1: <laughs> right, they should do it on 6th Street, too, then.
0: I mean, nobody should be done on 6th Street. <laughs> okay, anyway, so <laughs> medications were made by blending herbs, plants, minerals, animal parts, and insects to make pills, edible wafers, and injectable medications. And they would also utilize leeches, opium, and voodoo remedies.
1: That's really gross. You don't want a leech? I don't want animal parts or insects.
0: I I mean, I don't want to bleach either. Probably in everything we take right now.
1: Well, yeah. Did you know that there's like crickets or grasshoppers or something in coffee? No, it's roaches.
0: Gross. Yeah. I will probably never want to drink (laughs) coffee again.
1: You'll forget. It's fine.
0: That's so gross. I think that's what it is. I drink coffee every day.
1: I do too. And I think about it every day that I'm drinking it after I heard that, but I still drink it.
0: But it's like when they tell you the average person eats like eight spiders in their lifetime while they're sleeping. Do they really, though? I don't
1: know. Is there really
0: roaches in coffee, Jennifer? Or is I'm it worth not the risk? I'm going to look at
1: it, up, but it's worth the risk regardless because so. it's coffee. It's I saw coffee somebody put a hose over their face while they're sleeping so that they don't get the spiders. <laughs> I have to look up if roaches are really in coffee. I think it's like a U.S. thing, too. It's not even everywhere. And they say, like, Colombian coffee is better because there's a lack of roaches.
0: It tastes a lot better, too. Maybe that's why. Hold on. The answer to my question is yes. Gross. That was a tidbit of information I could have done without.
1: It is entirely possible that you have ground-up cockroaches in your coffee, I'm sure that all of our listeners are gonna love this as well. That's gross. It's really gross, but I'm still gonna drink coffee.
0: Me too. I'll just buy Colombian coffee now. Oh, yeah, but it has to be like real Colombian coffee. I'll get there. So, in 1822, Louis built a Creole townhouse in the French Quarter, and upon its completion, he opened his own pharmacy in 1823. At five thirteen Chartis Street, C H A R T E S, which is the sale still the same building that everything's in today. They haven't moved anything, and it's just always been the pharmacy. I guess I don't think it was turned into anything else that I could see. Inside his pharmacy, there was also a hardware store, soda fountain, post office. That so was a very, a very A very (laughs) it was a very popular place, like everything one stop shop like Walmart back then.
1: (laughs) Modern day or
0: not modern day, old day Walmart. I don't know. Walmart before it was Walmart. Yes. So Luis had a passion for his work and he spent his time experimenting with new medications and tried to find more effective medications and he even used Quinine to treat yellow fever, which killed one in six people, including his older brother. So then there was only one Luis.
1: <laughs> well, at least it wasn't so confusing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we wanted anybody dead, but... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> least... it was going to
0: happen anyway. It was his older yeah. brother, right? Yeah.
1: I Did I
0: show you that TikTok that says, like, you know, when you hit 30 and everything just hurts and you have to take all these medications for everything and you're always taking ibuprofen and they said that back in the day this was close to the end of your life yes you
1: did you said would have
0: lived to like 40s or 50s and they're like so 30s is when it started breaking down and they're giving us medicine and they fixed the quality of life so that we're living longer but our bodies aren't meant to live that much longer and that's why we start breaking down at about 30 because that's when our body's saying hey i should be dying right now right it's
1: just a reminder. Hey, we're not really actually supposed to be doing this.
0: (laughs) You're not supposed to be alive anymore, ma'am. No,
1: especially us, where we're over the halfway point at 30.
0: For sure. So, Luis ran his pharmacy in the same location for over 30 years, and then he sold his pharmacy in 1855 and moved back to France, where he lived until he died. So this brings us to Dr. James Dupas. I've also seen it as Joseph Dupas, but everything surrounding the stories is the same. And so it's just used interchangeably, I guess. So I don't know if it's just storytelling that's been mistold for so many years. I don't know, but we're going to call him Dr. Dupas because that's what a lot of the articles said. So he was also born in France in 1821, and he immigrated to New Orleans in 1831. When I researched him, there was like a ton of newspaper articles about him and the scandal. And I'll read it because it's really interesting. Back then, the newspapers were so detailed. It was like reading the gossip column or reading a transcript from like 16-year-old cell phones.
1: It was amazing.
0: I know I would read so much more if it had like all the tea in there because even the newspaper article would say, "Oh, such and such is supposed to, the hearing's supposed to be at this time on this day." We'll let you know tomorrow after ten a.m. Like, what happened? It's like cliffhanger episodes of TVs, but in newspaper form.
1: That would just make me come back
0: for more at all times. I would read so much more.
1: Yeah, I don't even like the news. Um,
0: I I don't either. So in February of 1850, Dupas and his partner, Voe were in court arguing over a business they were trying to dissolve. There were allegations of money being received and not being logged, and they were both pointing the fingers at each other. And then Vo was like, I need an audit, like, let's just do an audit. And Dupas was like, no, no, bro, we're good. That's not really necessary. I think we're all right. And so then after that hearing... There was a group of men talking and Vo was one of them. And Dupas heard his name being mentioned and he started shouting at them and they were arguing, saying he has no reason to say his name and like, stop talking about me. Like, don't say no shit. There won't be no shit. So I'm positive that's what they would have said back in 1850.
1: Definitely. Those Those are the exact words they would have used. That's
0: exactly what happened. It was in the newspaper. I read it. Um, So there was an altercation and Vo ended up getting stabbed in the back right next to his spinal cord. And during the scuffle, it was it was a hot mess, like a Jerry Springer show, like someone was stabbed, another person was stabbed, someone left over the clerk's desk, somebody ended up in the juror's box, like I said, Jerry Springer, and no one could say for sure who did the stabbing. Later, it came out that Dr. Dupas had done the stabbing and a warrant was issued for his arrest in August of that same year. So then the attorney for Dr. Dupas brought an affidavit to basically like haggle with the judge to ask for a lower bond amount. And he was asking for a bond amount of $20,000. And that's like $782,000 in today's money. So they either had money or that was a a good deal for a bond. But he said, you lower the, the bond to 20K and I'll have him turn himself in. And the judge agreed like he hadn't even seen him in court. And just said, okay, sure, he can have this bond. Just bring him in. It was a different time. Um, I know. And like I said, the newspapers were like, come back tomorrow and we'll let you know what's up. And I would have done that because I'm a nosy bitch. (laughs)
1: Exactly. I would have been right about that the next day. (laughs) First thing, as soon as it came out.
0: And then what happened? He didn't show up. Of course. um, (laughs) Why would you show up? So when he didn't show up, his attorney came back. And was like, what had happened was uh, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> he doesn't sure have that kind of money, too. actually. <laughs> so we need to lower that even more. And apparently this was a super common scam they started doing um, back then where they would like stall on getting into court and going to jail. So they would try and say, here, if you just approve this bond, then I'll show up. And then they don't show up.
1: Oh, they do um,
0: that still today. I know, but they have to show up to get the bond.
1: That's true. At least back then you didn't have to show up.
0: And you have to pay the bond before they let you go again. And that's how you get your money. Right. But if they're just saying, you give me this bond and then I'll bring him and then we'll talk. That's not how that works.
1: Way too much trust.
0: There's a lot of trust there. So he eventually turns himself in and they issue a bond of $10,000 and he's ordered to appear November 4th for assault with intent to kill. All the while Vo was in critical condition. They thought that he might die or even use the use of his legs. As I was reading the articles, it said that he made the full recovery and everything was fine and he participated in the trial. So then in March of 1851, the trial ended and the jury was deadlocked and then later returned a plea of guilty. And I didn't see anything about like a jail sentence, but I imagine it was probably short. Or maybe he just had to pay restitution because maybe the dudes, I'm good. No, <laughs> oh, I'm alive. Just pay up. It is <laughs> it's 1855. They Come also on. trusted him. It's true. I trusted him to show up to jail. I imagine it was just short jail sentence or a restitution because he pr- then purchased the pharmacy from Louise in 1855. There were also some articles and notices in the paper about him being sued and there being liens on his property. And there was even a notice that he lost his property and his slaves. So this guy sounds like a real winner. He really does. Yeah. So amazing. <laughs> So, when Dr. Dupas was in charge of the pharmacy, rumors started spreading about him using experimental pharmacology. He would create his own tonics, which I don't think is different from what they were doing before. Right.
1: It doesn't sound any different. Um,
0: but his didn't work, and then he would add a lot of heroin or a lot of cocaine to the medications. Hey,
1: I mean, if it works, it works.
0: If it works, it works. Um, but I'm I'm sensing that's probably a bad thing, so...
1: Yeah, there might be um, a, a little bit of a problem with the public. yeah,
0: Yeah, addiction and all. He was even accused of performing random experience with razor-sharp drills, scissors, and scalpels when it wasn't necessary. As a pharmacist, why are you cutting into people? Because they're more like doctors back in that time. That's just scary. I know. That's why I'm, I'm glad I live, kind of. I don't know. But Now, instead of then I mean, now... There's so many loopholes and red tape and blah, blah, blah for doctors and insurance and money this and money that. And it's all just a big corporation and money. and But then back then, you didn't know what you were getting. Like you could walk in and die. My stomach hurts. Help me. And then they don't. Right. And then you just die. Right. Because
1: there's no regulation. Right. And somebody cut into you that shouldn't have been cutting into you and they don't even know what they're doing.
0: Well, it's a three-hour oral exam, and then I don't know that there's any regulation. There's no practice. After that, they're like, here's your license. You don't have
1: to perform any kind of operations on anyone, but... As long as you talk to me about it, it's fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was also rumored that he would perform experiments on pregnant black slaves using unknown drugs that had voodoo origins or were poisons that resulted in birth defects, miscarriages, or death to both mother and baby, either or both. And I know there's this whole stigma behind voodoo and in all these shows and books, they say voodoo like it's bad because I guess it's unknown, but I think it has a stigma. And so maybe that part of the article when it said, keeps saying like voodoo this and voodoo that, maybe it's just a stigma trying to create the ambiance of the story. So neighbors said they noticed many people would enter the building, but most didn't come back out. So naturally, the popularity of the pharmacy declines significantly.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't go there. And, people aren't coming yeah, out. Yeah, no way. Where are they?
0: There's pregnant ladies going in there that aren't coming back there are people taking drugs and dying.
1: Yeah, I don't think that I would be going to a pharmacy where I saw people going in and not coming back out.
0: It's kind of like when people were like, oh my god, this smells bad. Here, smell it.
1: <laughs> but I would.
0: <laughs> or, oh my god, this food this is awful. Try it. <laughs> I, don't know, I,
1: I probably wouldn't try the food because I like to smell everything that I ingest. But if somebody said this smells bad, smell it. I, pro- I probably would.
0: I would just pick it up and smell it out of, like, habit. I'm, like, not even listening half the time.
1: Yeah. It's like touching Okay, clay. let me do what
0: you want me to do. Leave me alone. Right. But I bet those people down there in good old Nola were like, hey, I need uh, Louise back over here ASAP. <laughs> I need, need my pharmacist back. back. So this went on from 1855 until 1867 when Dr. Dupas passed away from complications from syphilis. Oh. I and at that time <laughs> you didn't know you could
1: die from syphilis well, no i knew that you could die from syphilis but he's a pharmacist why wasn't he treating himself
0: maybe that's what he was trying to figure out on everybody
1: he was How testing everybody it?
0: else instead of himself he was like that's not working i'm not going to try it out
1: <laughs> these people didn't even have <laughs> they didn't even have syphilis but he was like treating them for syphilis
0: i don't know so after his death There were human remains that were discovered in the back courtyard behind the building. And that's kind of where they got this whole he was murdering everybody thing. I didn't, like I said, no articles. I didn't find anything. These are all just stories that I'm finding about the museum, from the museum's website, and from what I learned when I actually went to visit it. Those are those Um, people that weren't
1: coming back out.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's where the connection was made. (laughs) So, it's known now that syphilis causes mania, dimension, dimension, <laughs> dementia, psychosis, personality changes, etc. So, I guess it was possible that he was just mad and decided to nix all these people. That's
1: crazy because now you just get medicated and you, you're fine.
0: Right, but I don't think that happened until the early 1900s. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, it's... It's definitely not yeah, common now to have syphilis and just be treated for it. And you probably don't have any of really? these symptoms. I've, I mean, I've never had. I'm
0: pretty positive I've <laughs> never been worried about having well, syphilis. Well, I, e- I haven't either. <laughs> if it happened now, it'd be a, a much bigger problem. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, since you're married. <laughs>
0: yeah, he'd, he'd have some stuff to yes. do. So after all of the history that took place in that building, all of the murders and the experiments, supposedly it's haunted. Oh. Some people report seeing a short, stocky, middle-aged man with a mustache. He's typically wearing a brown top hat and a brown suit under a white lab coat, and they believe this to be the ghost of Dr. Dupont.
1: So did he die They typically there? see
0: him. No, but it was his pharmacy.
1: So he just went back there. He was like, I gotta, I gotta be here.
0: I'm, maybe he did die there. It doesn't say, Jennifer. We can only speculate. Okay, we will. So they typically see him on the stairs that lead up to the second floor, and that's where it's rumored that he performed all of the horrific experiments on the pregnant women. And upstairs is where they have this display case of all of these tools that they used for delivering babies and stuff when they have to, like, clamp them and pull them out. They look like medieval torture devices. It's so scary. And I'm so glad I never had to give birth back then.
1: Oh yeah, no kidding. I mean, even the, what's the thing? The speculum.
0: The speculum when you get your yes,
1: even that looks, annual then? Yes, even that looks terrible. That's terrifying,
0: but these things look worse. They're so bad. Well, I think
1: chainsaws were um, originally used for childbirth or something. They weren't for cutting
0: trees. I don't know how accurate that is. roaches and coffee chainsaws for delivering babies you know
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure
0: you're going to have to put a pin in that and get back to me I'm sorry
1: two doctors invented the chainsaw in 1780 to make the removal of pelvic bone easier and less time consuming during childbirth it was powered by a hand crank and looked like a modern day kitchen knife with little teeth on a chain that wound in an oval
0: so kind of like those, like egg like beaters they used to have, where you hold the handle and you turn the wheel. Yeah, off.
1: but for childbirth.
0: But it's so you can go ahead and
1: cut that pelvic bone.
0: I mean, it's much better than the chainsaw I had envisioned. Well, yeah. Because then I was thinking, mm-hmm. well, if they didn't invent like a motor for a Model T till 1927, how the heck did we have chainsaw <laughs> motors back then?
1: Well, we didn't. It was hand cranked, <laughs> but it was still.
0: It was a hand crank. That must have been tiring. Yeah, because you're cutting through bone. Having to crank through a pelvic bone. But why do you have to cut through a bone to have a baby now? You don't. You don't do that.
1: 1780, well, they didn't know.
0: Poor women. A lot of the people report that the cabinets open. There's books that are being thrown, items that are being moved. Um, and some people have also said that they see him looking into the little glass bottles in the display cases And then some of the displays that are locked in cabinets have been rearranged. They have had security alarms set off and just all these random things happening. So I bet the New Orleans Police Department is so busy because that whole city, I think, is so, has so much history that there's probably so many security alarms being set off. And they're like, ah, it's just another ghost.
1: (laughs) Well, that whole city is so
0: haunted. (laughs) I know. It's amazing. I love it. I know. So there are other reports of a woman being seen in the back courtyard and people believe that it may be the spirit of one of the victims. Um, and then there have been reports of two children seen both inside and outside of the building. I
1: wonder what the children are. I wonder huh? what the children are. Cause like the the woman makes sense. I guess yeah. it could be anybody that was Unless being treated.
0: It. Possibly. Cause I'm sure those are not the only people that died. And I mean, The other guy was there for 30 years. True, That's the hauntings of the building, I guess. I did this one because when John and I got married, we eloped to New Orleans and we really fell in love with the city. It's just got like a great vibe and the food's amazing. And so we took a trip back last September with our kids and neighbors. And we did that time. We got to do all the touristy stuff since we weren't like getting married or anything. So we went on like a swamp tour and we did the carriage tour and the lady took us around to all like the haunted popular buildings around New Orleans. And this was one of them on my list to cover. And the other one is the Lollary Mansion. She took us by the the lot where it was built, but it's been rebuilt because there was a fire there. So it's part of the story and the history. So when we went to this museum, it was super cool. And they had like the bottles everywhere and they were original bottles. They had the original soda machine there and they had just tons of cabinets of the medicine bottles and displays of all of the medical equipment. And then they even had this display box with like a box of tampons and they were infused with opium. Oh. And I was like, why can't we have that anymore? That would make things so much better.
1: Yeah. You wouldn't feel anything. <laughs> literally. <laughs> right. you literally feel
0: nothing. I think it was probably men. Probably. They did it, it, it away from us. Either that or it was probably the whole addiction thing.
1: Or, or that. Yeah. People were um, too addicted to those. Yeah,
0: probably. So the tour that we went on was totally self-guided and I went with children. So we didn't get to stay long. But I really wanted to go back. So next time I go, I want to go without children because I want to do, like, all of the haunted tours. And I want to go in the graveyards and cemeteries because they're in crypts above the ground. I want
1: to go. Did you know uh-huh. that? I didn't know that.
0: So New Orleans is like a big bowl, holds water. Right. So they have to bury, not bury, I guess. They have to keep the remains above the ground because it's below sea level. So they would just float up. Flooded. So Yeah, so they're in big crypts. That's pretty cool. Stone boxes, yeah. And they told us also there that if you look at all the doors and windows in New Orleans, they're all slanted because the city sinks by so many inches or whatever every decade or year. I'd have to look it up. But the city's literally sinking. Oh. And all the buildings look like they're a bunch of doors instead of windows because back then they would do your taxes based on how many windows you had. And so they made all their windows look like doors. So they didn't (laughs) have to pay as much taxes. Well, that's
1: it. That's a way to do it. How about you just board them up?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the lady who took us on the carriage ride told us all of that. It was really cool to hear all the history and stuff. So we went, whenever I was redoing this episode, I told John, I was like, do you remember when we were at the museum and we were in that courtyard? And he was like, yeah. And I said, well, supposedly that's where they found all the human remains that this guy had killed and his eyes just got really big because he is the biggest scary guy <laughs> ever. That was just <laughs> want to say.
1: I mean, I know he didn't know at the time.
0: Well, I didn't know about it until recently.
1: Yeah.
0: We knew about the history behind it and they told us about the doctor but they didn't tell us that they found the remains there. So I don't know if it's just a legend or something that's the story's changed over time. But I also think I remember them saying that he was doing experiments on them because they had syphilis, but then I didn't read anything about it. So maybe I just took the fact that he had syphilis and he was doing experiments and like merged those. He was just out there
1: looking for people with syphilis so that he could cure them and then cure himself. But then he just died.
0: Probably. He went crazy. I definitely want to make another trip down there without children. I'm going to go. So maybe we can go. We can do like the haunted tours and eat all the food. So great. That
1: would be really fun.
0: So that was the pharmacy museum. And I can post the pictures from my trip and when we went and then I can put some links and some photos from online that I saw that was supposed to be the two men. All right. Well, it's a short episode this time. I didn't have a lot to go off of, but I definitely wanted to cover this. I think next week will be a lot longer. I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you for listening and follow us on Instagram at Unstable Moms Pod. And then our email is unstablemomspod at gmail.com. You can hear us on Spotify and Google Play podcasts, and we are working on getting on Apple. So give us your feedback. Thanks.